High lies, low puns, and old timers, it's Pun Intensive. Welcome to Pun Intensive. We have one, two, three, four, five squares in four people. I don't understand that either, but that's Zoom technology for you uh, around the table here. But let me introduce you to our panel. Surviving quarantine by drinking coffee with Stevia and reading some good Brooks, Steve Brooks. With Zoom skills second only to Wile E. Coyote, the rogue punter himself, Gary Halleck. Chambers of all trades, well-known Jack music aficionado, and the Transformers' Michael Baylor Bear, Jack Chambers. And of course, there's me. I'm your host. And if you're in two locations at once, you must be my parasite, Aaron Faisal. Let's start off with Zinger of the Week. Zinger of the Week, true tales and testament of the wit and word perpetrated in real life by ours truly. Let's begin with my co-producer uh, of this very podcast and former producer of the O. Henry Punoff in Austin, Texas, Gary Halleck. Gary, what's your Zinger of the Week? Well, I have an apartment building, as I often mentioned, and I was talking to one of my tenants the other day. Everybody's kind of worried about whether or not we can pay the rent, you know, and he says, oh, that's okay. I'm, I'm driving for a Lyft and Uber. And I said, oh, so you're into multi-taxiing, hey? <laughs> and we also have Houston radio show host, five-time pun-off contestant, and two-time pun-off champion, Jack Chambers. Jack, what's your zinger of the week? Hey, how you guys doing? I, I, I actually said one, uh, kind of a triple one yesterday. Gary, you and I were all communicating together at the same time about doing the show. And Gary said, Jack, you really need to be aware of the time constraints that Aaron's going to have. And I said, I guess I better watch the time or I'll tick Aaron off and he'll clock me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing you're in Houston then. <laughs> yeah, and I know you got all wound up about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing you didn't lose your temporal. Oh, and that was the voice of someone making his third appearance on this show, Austin Musician, member of the classic 60s folk trio, The Limelighters, six-time Punoff champion, and going on 15 years as one of the O. Henry Punoff's MCs, Steve Brooks. Hi, Steve. Howdy, Aaron. What's your zinger of the week? Zinger of the week. So lying there in bed one morning, my girlfriend is next to me and, you know, the sun's up. I don't quite feel like getting out of bed yet. I want to get some more sleep. And over on the other table is you know, a mask that I can put over my eyes to keep out the light. So I asked my girlfriend, could you hand me the iPad? No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just had the mask for it, right? <laughs> Uh, and I have one too. I had to call Apple support yesterday because I accidentally exposed my smartphone to water and messed up the speakers pretty bad. And so I was talking to the guy on tech support and I said, yeah, I'm stuck at home, but fortunately my iPhone is under co-warranty. <laughs> when you called Apple, did you get an A&M graduate that had been in the core? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we have yet another zinger of the week from good old Gary. Another one at the expense of one of my tenants. I, I get a lot of fun opportunities out of bantering with my tenants. You have a tendency to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's the least I can do. Anyway, he's the lead on our community garden there at the apartment building. 
and I keep giving him all the gardening supplies and everything. And he consequently always running around in this raggedy old t-shirt. It's just like really embarrassing. And I ask him, are you ready to unload that dirt from the wheelbarrow? And he says, no, I have class. And I said, no, you don't. I can tell by looking at your t-shirt, you don't have any class. He, he, he says, he says, no, no, I'm going to change my t-shirt. I'm leaving right away. I said, well, yeah, you can change your t-shirt, but you still don't have any class. I had to hit him twice. <laughs> he didn't pick it up the first time. <laughs> As is often the case when Gary is punning around me. Let's go ahead and take a real quick break. But when we come back, we'll make up fake headlines to real news or possibly vice versa. So stick around. Now, as a kid, my first extended exposure to puns was reading the newspaper headlines in the local paper. And I'm not sure if that's still a thing anymore, but we're going to keep the tradition alive by coming up with some good headlines for news stories that I have gathered from the internets. Obviously, the goal here is to be as puntastic as possible. Our first story. In April... A Maine woman was threatened, not attacked, by a fox. She apparently had a hatred of foxes, especially since she raises chickens. So whenever the fox made a threatening lunge at her, she would kick it. But it would lunge at her again. So she would kick it again. This happened over and over until finally she grabbed the fox around the neck. And as it fought back, she shoved it into a large pot used for scalding chickens, sealed the lid, and called 911. At the hospital, she received five rabies vaccine injections. Foxy lady. Oh, foxy Ooh. lady, yeah. <laughs> Main woman attacked. Details on Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fox was the one that was fairly unbalanced, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, woman receives rabies vaccine, gives cows an immunization. Immunization. You no, know, we got it, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> She was taken to the hospital by way of rapid transit. Fox jumps on woman. She is now in an artificial lunge machine. Woman subdues fox with an entire lid of pot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I think Steve had one too. Hen house caught guarding fox. Okay, let's go on to the next headline. The National Weather Service issued a dust advisory last month in eastern Washington after wind gusts of more than 40 miles per hour kicked up a wall of sediment. The actual tweet was, we have had reports of blowing dust near Dusty, parentheses, seriously, near the town of Dusty, on parentheses, on SR-26 and SR-127. As a result of the storm, SR-26 was quote, fully blocked about three miles outside of Dusty after a car and a semi-truck crashed. Okay, headline writers. This was actually in Washington State. At first I thought it was probably in Ohio. Because You're going to have to say that one again. You were not well Spokane on that. <laughs> Originally I thought it was going to be from Ohio because that's where sand Dusty is. Okay. <laughs> Washington adopts new tourism slogan, come to our state, be our gust. You're all good. <laughs> My sentiments exactly. Oh, I was, was going to say uh, taking a sedimental journey. Yeah. <laughs> 
Washington residents take a major blow. I love it. <laughs> Bust in the dust. Semi truck driver suffers internal injuries. Left with a semicolon. <laughs> <laughs> so when it was all over, did they say that's soil she rode? <laughs> and of course, we couldn't ignore Dusty in the Wind. Let's move on to the third one. Last month, three women were charged with assault for an incident in March wherein one of the women allegedly removed dry skin from the bottom of one of her feet and added it to a fourth roommate's shredded cheese, then watched her eat it. If there's more to the story, it doesn't matter, because yuck. Woman has smelly feet. Roommate asks, who cut the cheese? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Was it head cheese with toe jam? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Up to no Gouda. No, <laughs> no cure for that kind of cheese, I suppose. Woman gets bad cheese, now feeling the blues. <laughs> Appalling bunions. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm from Minnesota, and that took me a second. <laughs> Woman finds strange cheese in her cottage. I wonder if this was her first scrape with the slaw. Woman cuts skin from roommate's feet, claims she is her soulmate. <laughs> it turns out her roommate was really feeling suicidal, and she was just trying to do psoriasis-assisted suicide. <laughs> Woman eats foot-contaminated cheese, develops blisteria. <laughs> Woman maintained records of assault with on her feet, kept footnotes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and one more headline. On April 18th, somewhere in Ohio, police were called to break up a party. Said the sheriff, quote, when we got there, there was a barn full of people and some of them ran. One partier was arrested for disorderly conduct, two were charged with underage drinking, and another was issued a summons for violating the state's stay-at-home order. Despite the quarantine, this isn't what one would consider an unusual story, except for one thing. The partiers were Amish. Well, Amish is as good as a Malay. <laughs> And given all of uh, Gary's technology problems today, I'm going to assume that you were at that party? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I missed the invitation, though. <laughs> uh, I bet you a lot of tongues were wagging at, at, uh, at, the, at the end of that oh, party. Okay, I, got... <laughs> I couldn't help thinking about how do the Amish people have a house party, you know, like they can't crank up their B players or something, or did they, or they just crank up their... <laughs> Probably somebody that turned him in was a crank caller. Well, how, how the uh, cops found out about the party in the first place is because the phones were buggied. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Underage Amish die from drinking. Parents say, this isn't what we meant when we asked for them to be beer dead. <laughs> Or maybe it was place. a scene from that movie, Men in Black. Yeah. Oh. Actually, it would be Mennonites in Black. 
<laughs> now that's a pun. That's a pun. That's and a pun. I think I think that's a terrific place to wrap that up. So we're gonna go ahead and take another break. But when we come back, we're gonna pull out a sundial and set an old timer. Stick around. And we are back. Now, the common thread of our panelists today is that the first time they participated in the O. Henry Punoff, some of last year's contestants weren't even born. So we're going to take a few minutes to reminisce about the old days, maybe even good old days. And I want to start off by introducing Jack Chambers, whom I met for the first time actually yesterday. Jack, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience with the O. Henry Punoff? Okay, back in the early 80s, either I was still at Baylor or just shortly after I got out of Baylor, I had come down from Waco to Austin for the weekend, and I was with my parents, and I was just about to go back to Waco, and I heard on the radio the announcement for the pun-off. I didn't know anything about it. I ran down there and signed up for it. I literally got there like 10 minutes before they cut it off, and I won both uh, Punniest of Show and High Lies and Low Puns, which is now called Zing- what Zingers, I think that's what they call them now. Punslingers. Punchlingers. Okay. Okay. I won both of them back into a horse. The next year I came in second. I, I just, I stopped doing the uh, bet punniest of the show with the prepared stuff. I more like thinking on my feet. And I, I, I came in second the next year. I did not enter again for like, uh, 10 years. Cause I moved off to Dallas, moved back to Austin and I won again for the punchlingers. The next year I came in, I'm going to say fourth. I never entered again for about another eight or so years. And it was around 97, Steve Brooks. I think he had won twice before and I had won twice before. And it went on for hours. My parents were there. It was the first time they came. It was Sunday afternoon, probably a thousand people on a hillside there or, or out in the grass up behind the O. Henry Museum. And it got down to Steve and me. together. I have not seen Steve since that day. I'm looking at him on the Zoom here. And it got down to us as the last two standing. And I remember if my memory serves me well, Steve and I were such great challenges for each other. The judges actually had to change the topic several times in the middle of our round because we were like exhausting them. And one of the Which things we, I we to- don't do that anymore. Oh, you don't? You have it to stay just on drags it. it on and on longer. Okay. One of the things I'll share as a tip for people, if you're going to be in the punt off, you not only have to be able to think quickly on your feet and be witty and think in wordplay, you have to know about a lot of topics. The final topic that they gave Steve and me, this is unbelievable. And Steve is surprised when I told him that I remembered this. The final topic was Central and South American and African countries. Okay. We're talking about like 23 years ago. <laughs> now, at some point, you start running out of countries. I actually yeah. remember some of the ones we said. Like I said to him, hey, you know, I, I met a really crazy woman from Rio de Janeiro. She was a real Brazil nut. He was from Not a pun. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's questionable. I, I said, uh, I met a guy from Cairo that ripped me off at a game of poker, Egypt me. Okay. And I mean, we, went, we went back and forth and I was running out of countries. We had exhausted it. And Steve said a pun that so amazed me. It was so, inc- and I was already struggling to think of the next one I was going to say before it came my turn. And Steve said one that was so amazing I literally just froze in amazement and the gong sounded and I was out and he beat me. That was the last time I entered. What he said was, I bet Henry Ford's family was very proud of him when he made a gas car. (laughs) 
And I thought, oh, who would have ever thought about that, about Madagascar? And I just kind of went, wow. And the next thing I know, I was out. And so the last time I entered, I came in second to Steve. He beat me. i got to come back sometime and reclaim my championship trophy. <laughs> I like how you just reclaimed his punchline. <laughs> 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 Steve, what do you what do you remember about? Do you remember very well that round you and I were in? Yeah, I, I remember that about every other pun you were making was in uh, fake Italian. You remember that? <laughs> well, that was the topic of uh, male names. You kept putting on this fake Italian accent, and and somehow or other made it into a pun when you said somebody's name. Yeah, yeah. How do you guys remember this? Goodness! Yeah, it was. It was I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the exact puns, but just to tell our listeners what it was about, it was kind of, kind of like I was talking in Italian. I was putting an A yeah. at the end of every word, and I was saying, right. uh, uh, like, like I, I had, a, I had an Italian bird. He, his name was Tom. I called him a tomahawk. <laughs> I mean, see, it was things like that, where I was I adding like the A at the end of every word. Yeah. <laughs> So the way I remember that last round, what, what I said was, well, that was how Henry Ford made his fortune. He met a Gasker. No, <laughs> that's not what you said. You said his family must have been very proud of him when he made a Gascar. I remember it thoroughly. <laughs> I'm going to have to dig into the video archives now. Don't make me fire up my VCR. <laughs> Aaron, I was listening to one of your recent shows. Huh? You told me about it. It's recently. I'd never heard it before. And I was listening to one. And y'all got on the topic. And there was difference of opinion. And I'm curious about what they're going to say. But there was a difference of opinion on the strategy of whether or not you should be thinking ahead and having like one or two puns ahead, like you're holding a reserve to use, or whether you should just go ahead and spurt them out as soon as you think of And we I call that one having having a couple in the chamber. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. And you I know all about that, Jack. I, I said you and I, I I always use the strategy of trying to think of two or three ahead so that I could you know, as soon as, especially if the other guy said, the other guy or girl said one that I was already getting ready to use, I would already have another. One. And I remember I was running out of countries and that was the problem why I could, didn't have any more in store. And so when Steve said made a gas car, not only was I amazed, but I had run out of countries that I didn't have anything to fall back on. And it was over. <laughs> that would have been a good time to tap into your old days of having played Risk as a kid, right? Yeah, I was really bored with that game. Yeah. <laughs> The thing about that game was it was just too Namibia Pamby for you. <laughs> now, Gary, you you said that the judges no longer change topics, but that would have to be one where they would have to change it because at some point you would literally run out of countries. Well, that's kind of the goal. Yeah. Yeah. We actually we actually save the topics that have a finite number of keywords. We save those for the last round because the last round is this notoriously long and runs notoriously late. So we are, are deliberately now seeking out new topics that have finite sets. By, by the way, Steve, I just want to tell you, when you and I got down to that last round, I literally felt like I was at the end of Rocky One or Rocky Two, and it was like Rocky and Apollo Creed, like just <laughs> yeah. slugging it out. I really did. And I guess that made me a jack-in-the-box. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we had punchlines. At least you weren't complaining. <laughs> then you would have been a jack of all charades. <laughs> jack, I want to ask you if you remember your punniest of show routine from that first uh, time that you entered. Yeah. However, I have a confession to make. It's not one that I made up. 
because I didn't see. I didn't even know about Ooh. the pun off. Well, well, <laughs> listen, it's it's. It, Listen, I didn't even know about this competition until an hour before it started, and so I had nothing prepared. And so I, they asked me if I wanted to sign up for both rounds, and I hadn't had time to think out a, a pre-made pun. On the other one that I won, Punniest of Show, it was actually a joke that was making a round at the time. It wouldn't be that funny now because a lot of people wouldn't remember this commercial, but there used to be a, um, a, a, a Paul Masson a wine commercial and they would say at the end of it paul masson will sell no wine before it's time and uh the punchline was that the father said to him paul my son we will sell no wine before it's time and i felt a little bit guilty because it wasn't original it's something i'd actually heard but i guess i delivered it in a way that was that you gave know, me the in those trumpet. days in those days you could get by with non-original stuff a lot of people used to come up there with the tired old stuff. In fact, Joel McCall would say, I believe I read that in page 47 of <laughs> This is not in any way to, to take away anything from people who've won that category over the years. I just felt for me, I'm, I'm a very competitive person. I like the competition of it being completely equal ground where you and another comp contestant had to think on your feet with the pun slingers. It used to be called highlights and low puns. Instead of comparing people that had a year to think up a, a story. So that's why I never entered that, that part of this competition anymore after that. Steve said something about 30 minutes ago that I really wanted to try to address. So Steve's been a judge at the O. Henry Punoff competition for, I said 15 years. Is that, is that pretty close actually? Yeah. Yeah. And so if anybody knows about, focusing on whether or not something is a pun and catching it quickly, it's it's you. Jack made reference to a pun earlier about a Brazil nut, and Steve went into judge mode immediately and said, not a pun. So I want to hear you two talk about, defend your positions. I'm going to let, I'm going to let Steve go first. All right. Well, a pun is either a word that has multiple meanings and you use a different meaning of the word than the one that is intended. Since Brazil nuts come from Brazil, calling uh, Brazil nut is not a pun. Wait, 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 wait. Brazil nut is not a good example to discuss this on because Brazil nut really is a pun. You're using the word nut in a complete, it yeah. means a crazy person and it also means a food. Yeah. It, it literally is a pun. That's not a good example for us to use. Well, okay. It was a pun, but it was not a pun on the word Brazil. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Was, the, the pun was not on the topic. The pun was yeah. not on the topic. A better example would be, let's say that, okay, let, let's say that we were talking about communication, okay? And, the, and, one of the, and one of the contestants said, you're not even trying in this competition. You're just phoning it in. Now, see, that's not really a pun. That's right. the, so, that's, that's and, a cliche, and, as I call it. Right. And so I, if Gary says he thinks I used to all the time get away with making puns that weren't puns, but if, if I may defend myself, I think he's remembering it reverse. I quite often complain to the judges that the person going up against me was using, and I would turn to the judges and go, that was not a pun. And sometimes they would let him go. But I kept complaining because people were saying things that really weren't puns. In the last 10 years, we've gotten a lot more strict about that. In the first round, we give people a chance to fix their puns, saying that's not a pun, but can you give us a pun on that word? 
after the first round, we give people strikes. Oh, there, there are. I think the 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 definition of a pun. I don't think it's clear cut. There is some gray area. Let's say that our topic is anatomy. Okay, and I say to you, Steve, I say, you know what? I think I'm going to lose to you. You've got a you've got a foot up on me. Now, is that a pun or not? Not really. But no, it's it, okay. No, you but you're using it in a conventional sense. Right. Right, right, right. Now, now, if I said I hurt my foot, I had to call a tow truck. That's a pun. That's a pun. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. It's a pun but, on a toe. Right. Right. Foot would right. still be, you know, fair game for someone else to make a pun. But can you see how a judge in a competition like this might let that go? If I said I think I'm going to lose because you've got a foot up on me, they might say, okay, that's kind well, of a pun. We don't let those pass anymore. Okay. <laughs> Back in the '90s, I was as guilty as anyone else of. Uh, of doing those non-pun puns. The term that you used a minute ago, uh, Steve, you said it was a cliche. And yeah. cliches are, you know, real obvious when somebody throws a cliche in there like that. Uh, but if somebody uses a word in a way that's just kind of almost on topic or tangentially on topic, well, like for instance, foot. If say, if somebody says, um, I, I missed it by that much, you know, it was only a foot. Okay, that's a foot. And it's named after your foot, but it's far enough away from its origins that everybody agrees that 12 inches is a foot, but it's not the same word as the foot on the end of your leg. I, I would agree, as we uh, MCs often say, it doesn't have to be funny. Mm -hmm. right. It just has to be a pun. Right. By the way, speaking of not being funny. <laughs> Gary, that's your cue. <laughs> no, I think in wordplay all the time and not and not only do I, I i not only speak english i speak fluent spanish and i speak a few words in several other languages i travel a lot and i'm very interested in etymology you know words languages they fascinate me names i tell a lot of people what their names mean i'm very interested in those but i think in wordplay and i i grew up in a family my dad and i would go and the, uh, some other family members would go back and forth at the dinner table and puns you know all the time but i'm constantly thinking of puns in my mind but I edit out about 99.9% .9 of them in my normal everyday life. Otherwise, people would just think I was totally obnoxious and they would, they would right. be groaning all the time. If, you are, if you're around an, a person in a normal situation and you make a, a pun or two in a row, they'll chuckle and laugh. But if you keep making them over and over and over, they finally go, shut up. The Social distancing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pun off itself and conversations like this or like when Gary and I are, you know, making pun, it, it gives you a chance to actually start saying all the kind of things you normally think, but you're editing out because most yes. people would be like, do y'all experience the same thing? Di dial oh, back yeah. that filter. Whenever you're, whenever you're bantering with me, you just dial your filter all the way back. <laughs> Although I would, I would point out that, you know, being a pun off champion and having a reputation as a pun off champion um, you know, I get more leeway to do social punning than right, exactly. Than no, and they, yeah, and people know me as a punster, so they expect it. They they're almost disappointed if I don't make a pun now. And then. But do you guys do you do you guys also find yourself editing out puns that come to your mind? Because if you were saying them all the time, the normal person around you would finally just go shut up. <laughs> it would. I, I it, call it pun constipation. <laughs> Gary, you said a pun does not have to be funny. When you're in a competition, you throw out every pun you think of, whether it's that funny or not. But in normal conversations, if you it, 
normally, if you're smart, you only say some puns now and then that are actually funny. Otherwise, people would go, well, "What? That's not even funny." It's into the conversation, and doesn't derail the conversation, and that because that makes that pisses people off real bad if you derail the conversation. Yeah, I was giving, funny. I was, I was giving puns to a, a conductor to derail the conversation. <laughs> Can you share some derails with me? Yeah, it took a. <laughs> well, you, were well, you were well trained. Yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> if you flush the toilet while the train's in station, it's going to hit the turd rail, right? <laughs> pa pardon me, guys. Eh, 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 choo choo. <laughs> right. I think I think we're going to segue right into the pun slingers now. I don't know what you said, but I'm going to agree with you 100%. That's a good place to leave that conversation off. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to play high lies and low puns, but with a different name. And we are back. We're going to play pun slingers in uh, 20, Aaron, would you say? Can I, can I interrupt? Yeah. I want to put Steve and Jack head to head and recreate uh, one of their famous ballots. All right, okay, that's fair. Oh, and, I, and I and I think I, I think I need you to MC the thing because I don't think I can uh, make myself heard when I need to. But no, no, no Central South American and African countries topics. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what then. We'll, we'll we'll do this a little differently. I will MC. Although I'm not nearly as good at emceeing as Steve is, but this is going to be a recreation. So, so wait, wait, wait. If you're the host, we're the parasites? <laughs> What's your vector, Victor? <laughs> roger, roger. All right, so I'm going to give you a topic. It's going to be something that I think will sound rather familiar, just a little bit different. This time, the topic is cities outside the U.S. And... Paris, incidentally, is fair game, even though there is a Paris, Texas, but Cleveland is not fair game, even though there's one in Australia. So I just want to be clear on that little detail. Okay. They arrested a guy the other day that hid drugs in his toy that went up and down on a string. He called it his toke yo yo <laughs> <laughs> Well, there were uh, young ladies who were you know, traveling to France to you know, get hired as nannies, except there they called them au Paris. I refer to my animals uh, by their sounds. Like I have a bark dog, I have a meow cat, and I have a moose cow. <laughs> oh, that makes me think of the fellow who went to the university to study how to make the finest fabrics in the world. And when he finally came out with his degree, he was a linen grad. <laughs> Good. I, uh, I like to travel around Italy a lot. Yeah, I, I roam all over the place. Beijing, Jack Chambers. Beijing, Jack Chambers. <laughs> hey, Steve, I know you took the cows out on a trip, but did you bring the stock home? <laughs> hey, Jack, I've got Wuhan it to you on that one. <laughs> Topical. Hey, I know you make a lot of money by selling men's apparel. How much does the Thai pay? Not as much as the Soweto. If you're trying to butcher a chicken, do you need a Bangkok? <laughs> I have a new mating method that uh, can create livestock just out of nowhere. You can even make an instant bull. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
I I can't bear this anymore. You know, sometimes when I eat beef, it actually makes me feel like I've taken drugs. I, I actually get a Shanghai. You know, when I eat beans, it just stinks up the place for a long ways around me, and people complain about the beanos airs. <laughs> Good thing you don't visit Frankfurt. <laughs> you know, Bart Simpson, he just kind of hangs around by himself all the time. Bart's alona. <laughs> well, if you were um, you're going to lease space um, uh, on a canal, would you be paying flow rents? <laughs> My parents got divorced and they divided up the kitchenware. And we were helping them divide it out. And I found one. I said, this is a Panama's. That's a city. It's not just a country. It's a city. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't be a very good pun, though. It was kind of a Panama's shitty. (laughs) Somehow you stole that from... (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Another hijacking. (laughs) I got lost when I was in Egypt. I found my way. Fortunately, I had a chiroscope with me. Mm. Well, I hope it was uh, the best equipment that you could find. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? I, I, don't, I didn't get that one. Thebes, another city in Egypt. You know, I knew this uh, guy that was a cat burglar. And I was really fascinated by finding out what his job entailed. So I asked him one time, what does a cat man do? <laughs> Well, I was going to make a trip to uh, South Korea before you know all, all travel stopped because uh, I was just craving some soul food. <laughs> I went to a hotel in Africa, and I walked around the lobby in my bathing attire, and they wouldn't allow me to walk around. I said, do you deny Roby's? <laughs> I thought sure he was going to say something about his Beijing suit. Can you do that? Can you do that? (laughs) But speaking of cities, you know, I have really been craving a Reuben sandwich lately. And since Katz is closed, contrary to what they said all those years, I'm going to have to find a new deli. (laughs) Yeah, that joke was uh, very original. It was very unique. Oh, M-U-N-I-C-H. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Took me a second. I thought that's very nicely done. There we go. <laughs> this competition is a real pain in the Athens. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now I feel like I'm just Stalingrad for time. <laughs> Yeah, they have a new comedy about this little boy that grows up in Italy. It's called Venice the Menace. (laughs) Oh, God, it looks like I'm just about Ottawa time. (laughs) You know, uh, they have have a new food available in groceries for for rednecks. It's canned coon. I hear that there's going to be a hailstorm tonight, and my van is sitting outside, so I'm going to have to put on the van cover. Oh. <laughs>
Yeah, you wouldn't want, wouldn't want to get it Van Halen. You know? <laughs> My little brother, he's a really little guy. <laughs> this was not going to be funny. <laughs> he's a very, very short guy. He's the shortest guy in our family, okay? And he has problems with his feet. He moved to Toronto. <laughs> I'm, gra I'm grasping here. I'm grasping. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting kind of intimidated, Jack. I think you're Saigon me out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, my favorite baseball player is Beirut. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's great. My favorite comedian from uh, Afghanistan is uh, Larry the Kabul guy. <laughs> you know, we buy a lot of chickens from Israel. I don't know if you realize that. Yeah, they come from Jew rooster limb. Oh, boy. <laughs> now you know why we don't change to a new topic. <laughs> That's one of those things you just can't tell Aviv. I like to get my vegetables from South America. I especially like... <laughs> I especially like Lima beans. You know, one of my favorite old sitcoms was about you know, a bunch of people who like to hang out at a bar in um, Algeria. It was called El Cheers. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, they found that TV antennas work best when they're at high altitudes. That's why they have Mount Videos. Mount Video. We, we got I, Montevideo. <laughs> One of my favorite, you know, animated Disney movies was about a French king who did not rule from Paris. It was called The Leon's King. <laughs> wait, can I ask? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to use one, but I can't remember if it's been used or not yet. <laughs> well, I've been keeping track. That's always a dilemma, isn't it, Jack? There's a great restaurant in India I want to try. It's it's a New Delhi. Oh, uh, yes, that has been used. Oh, it has uh -huh. been used? Okay. I wasn't sure if that had been used or not. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, if I if this was a real competition, would that have knocked me out? Well, we normally do strikes, but yeah. We're being a little flexible here. I'll give you a chance to do another one. You know, I was born in Australia. From time to time, I go back to the city of my Perth. What do you call someone from the Czech Republic who likes to play tricks on their friends? A practical joker. <laughs> okay, I think okay. that's the... <laughs> oh, no! Steve beat you again, Jack! <laughs> I, was, I was starting to get... I'm, I'm thinking of cities in my mind, but I, everyone I was starting to think of going like, this is not going to pass. This is, uh, is going to be... Too, it's too much of a stretch. You we were, I, I we were triesting too hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> congratulations, Steve. Yeah, congratulations. All right, we are going to wrap up in just a few moments, but we're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll be coming back with Sage Advice. And we are back. We are going to wrap up real soon, but before we do, we have a few plugs to get in. We would love it if you would visit facebook.com slash punintensive or instagram.com slash punintensive or 
pick your favorite social media slash pun intensive and we are almost certainly there. Also, real quick update on the O. Henry pun off. It was scheduled to be, what, four days from now, I believe. But of course, because of the quarantine, it has been postponed to when, Gary? 17th of October, Saturday, Seven- the 17th of October. And obviously, specified. yeah, obviously that's subject to change. So uh, punoff.com will give you the lowdown on that. Our music comes from Dark Meat, and uh, we would love it if y'all would rate us on iTunes. Uh, so let's go ahead and real quickly go around the panel. Gary, do you have anything uh, going on in your life that you want to tell people about? We actually got a little write-up in the Austin. The monthly for the May issue just came out uh, recently. And I'll put a link in the show notes about that. That was pretty cool. It's sort of a history of the O. Henry Punoff. Is that correct? Yeah, they recently did an interview with Joel McCall and me. Uh, at length, we've talked about all the back history and backstory of the Punoff and the origins of how it evolved and everything. And then they wrote up just a very, very painfully short little article about it. <laughs> included a lot of apocryphal uh, stories that I, I don't necessarily agree with, but uh, Joel has been perpetrating these lies all of his life, and uh, and he's trying to make them true. You didn't like the fact the article was so short because you don't look good in your briefs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Steve Brooks, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I have a brand new music video that just went up today. I made it with my Creo, the Limelighters, the famous 60s folk Creo, of which I am now a member. I wrote a song about social distancing called Six Feet Apart. So we made a video about social distancing that we actually created through social distancing. And it's quite uh, quite catchy and entertaining. You can find it on Facebook. Steve, good luck with that video on social distancing. I hope it goes viral. And then our audience can actually look in the show notes and find a link to that as well. All right. And Jack, do you have anything to plug? I'll just tell people, people may remember when I used to be in Austin, I was on TV and radio there. I had our statewide radio show and I did commentaries and had my own show on KI42 TV. And I back then used to be a political commentator. And on the side, just to keep my sanity, I did freelance stories on things like dining and travel and concerts and museums. I now do that full time here in Houston. I have a, a, a weekly radio show called Houston and Beyond. And it's all about fun things to see and do, arts, entertainment, sports, museums, concerts, restaurants in Houston and at travel destinations. But my show airs on the radio here in Houston Sunday afternoons from four to six uh, on AM 1070. But you can listen to it anywhere on my website, HoustonandBeyond.com. And you can hear the show live on Sundays from four to six, or you can go there in your podcasts. Most of my shows over the last three years or so, and you can uh, anytime, day or night, click on them and listen to them at HoustonandBeyond.com. And cool. you never make any puns. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, we always like to head out being informative to our listeners. And as it so happens, everyone on the panel today has somewhere between quite a bit and an immeasurable amount of experience performing music in front of audiences. So uh, we thought we'd give you all some advice if you're thinking about going down that track. I'm going to go ahead and start off. My advice is that you should pick your audiences carefully when performing to a live audience. The last thing you want is to get tar and feathered. 
Gary Halleck, what is your advice? You know, music composers always like to score, but if you expect to score with a very short musician, you probably should avoid using Viagra. It might do wonders for your organ, but it won't make a leg grow. <laughs> hey, if you don't watch it with those girls, you'll get her in treble. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Steve Brooks. So, if you're an aspiring bluegrass musician, because the music is already so fast, you want to make sure that none of the people in your band are drinking coffee, because that's just going to, going to make it faster. So what you should do, the rule in every bluegrass band should be band Joe. <laughs> yeah, bluegrass musicians, if you pick it, it'll never heal. And Jack Chambers. Well, anytime you go out and do any kind of extreme sports, whether it be slalom skiing or uh, uh, snowboarding or uh, any, any kind of a dangerous sport, just take an advice from a musician. Pay attention, because if you don't see sharp, you'll be flat. <laughs> uh, awesome. All right, and I am Aaron Faisal. I am signing off with the catchphrase. We'll see you next time.